After the events in our nation's capital this past week, if you find yourself feeling disturbed, distressed, unsettled, you're not alone. We witnessed rioters storming the U.S. Capitol. We, we um, heard uh, lawmakers and government officials calling for the removal from power the President of the United States. We heard questions appropriately raised uh, regarding the incredible discrepancy between how white rioters were treated by police forces when compared to how police forces chose to respond to Black Lives Matter protesters. We saw people carrying flags that had a picture of, of the uh, U.S. flag on it with the names uh, of our president and the name of Jesus on them, as if they were a united ticket. And, and if that wasn't enough, we were also told that on January 6th, on that same day, that no less than 3,964 people in our country died of the coronavirus. So if you found yourself feeling unsettled, distressed, disturbed this past week, you have good reason for it. You know, some might ask, why would you bring this up in a uh, Sunday sermon? Like, isn't this where we just want to retreat from news and be away from the rest of life? Well, it's because Scripture is meant to be applied to every, situ every situation in our lives. That, that what we experience all week long is um, something that's to be brought to Scripture, and then we bring Scripture to it. And, and that the only answer for the underlying things that result in things that distress and disturb and unsettle us, the underlying uh, uh, causes of those things— the solution for it, the answer, is found in Christ. This is the gospel. That the gospel of Jesus Christ alone is the salvation for humankind. When we think about the good news of Jesus, um, we know that in that is such power, such transforming power, that even though we can write um, laws and uh, establish constitutions, that none of those things, no act of woman, no act of man, can really provide the answer to the problems we have. That it, it, it is in God alone, in the gospel. In fact, the gospel is so powerful, is so transforming, is so freeing, is so real, that it alone is intended to uh, give light into darkness, and that darkness can never overcome it. Now, obviously, this is not the introduction into our message that I was planning on providing at the beginning of the week, but life happens. What we're going to talk about today actually connects to what we experienced. There was another time, there have been a whole bunch of times, but there was another time uh, uh, not quite 500 years ago, where in a part of the world, they were experiencing incredible tension. And so about uh, 458 years ago, there, there was a, a document that was created. 
and it was uh, put together under the direction of uh, um, Elector Frederick III um, of the Palatinate, uh, which is uh, located in mo modern-day Germany. And he had directed that this catechism be put together. And so uh, Zacharias Ur Ursinus um, I worked on this with a team of people, and, 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 and they put together a set of questions and answers that were intended to be able to create conversation and, and, and take what is true about Scripture, that people could then apply it to their lives, that the whole region could come under the teaching of Scripture. We refer to this document as the Heidelberg Catechism. And with these questions and answers, um, they guide us in our understanding of Scripture, um, answering those significant questions of life. And so the first question and answer is the focus of our conversation today. And it goes like this. The first question is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? It's an important question. The, when we look at the words within this question, and when it asks, what is your uh, you would think that if you're going to build a document, why don't we just be more inclusive? And what if we were just to say, what is our only comfort? Like we share it together. It's true, we do share it together. But the desire was to ask individuals, for people to incorporate this in their own lives, to respond to it personally. And so today, what is your only comfort? The word only it, it, it refers to what is your defining. What, what is the, the bedrock of who you are every single day? And the idea of comfort, they're not talking so much about do you happen to have comfortable shoes? Are you consoled? It's not talking about that so much. In fact, if we look at the Latin behind it, it it's this idea of strength. What is your only strength in life and in death? So uh, on this side of death, life, each and every single day, what is your only comfort? You're defining strength in your life. And then what are you trusting for that life after death? We'll uh, take some time in some coming weeks to explore some of the alternatives that we tend to choose. It's enough to say at this point that we're often attracted to what amounts essentially to fool's gold. It's not unusual for people to have as their main source of strength and comfort in their life uh, things like, well, uh, uh, a bigger bank account, more investments. That's where we get our security and strength. Or, or others that might turn to the approval of the people around them, the approval of their parents or their children or, or friends or coworkers. Some of us might turn to our abilities and say, well, that's where I get my strength because I'm capable. The problem with all of these things, why they're fool's gold, why they're sh simply shiny objects that don't have the value necessary to depend our lives upon is because they're, they're susceptible to things like drought, drying up, scarcity, things like decay, and, and, and to be shown that they're not ultimately strong, that they have the ability to disappoint. In fact, in some ways, they'll be more like uh, the monkey's paw. It's, this is a, uh, uh, comes from a short story that was written back at the beginning of uh, the 20th century. It's appeared in film as, films as well, but uh, in the story, there's a talisman um, that is uh, 
supposedly imbued with power to grant three wishes. And, but the problem is each of the wishes comes with a grave consequence. Um, and so this is uh, the things that we tend to turn to for strength, that um, when we put our strength in something that cannot serve us well, we end up paying the consequences for it. So we come to that question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? What is your defining strength in life and death? Well, the catechism itself provides an answer. And the answer begins with these words, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, every year our session goes through a process uh, where it discerns what's important right now. What's important right now for our congregation? And so this past year as they were going through that process and, and uh, considering what we've gone through in 2020, the, um, the, unse- uh, the, 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 the disruption of our uh, habits as a congregation that we're not able to gather in the same room and, and to hang out in the gathering space together and, and have those same type of conversations. And, and we find that when we look at the numbers of people who are clicking onto our worship services online, that, that it's much smaller than when we first began uh, um, uh, in the midst of the pandemic. And, and then when we began to listen to people and, and, and hear the stories of people feeling disconnected and struggling to understand what their involvement is in the church. There was this collective discernment among the elders that that, um, what's important right now is for our whole congregation to grasp our belonging. That answer in the catechism, I belong. This is my greatest strength, that I belong, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to spend some time this year uh, working on grasping uh, what that means, that we would grow wherever we happen to be starting from. Maybe we feel like we're starting from outside that. We don't even know what it is to belong. Or maybe we've had this ongoing sense of belonging, but God's going to stretch us to a new place of understanding and that we would apply it then into our lives. But you know, if you've been a part of our worship services in the past, that we don't just preach out of catechisms or creeds. As great as those are, and and they're wonderful tools, uh, they do uh, capture what is in Scripture. So many of them do capture what is in Scripture and bring it forth. But we teach out of Scripture. The Heidelberg Catechism is based on Scripture. And so today, what we're going to do is is we're going to look at one of the passages that that speaks into, that undergirds that answer to what is um, our, our uh, only comfort, uh, that we belong uh, to Jesus Christ. So our text is going to be um, John chapter uh, 10, verses 25 through uh, 30. Let me give just a quick setup for it. Uh, uh, Jesus is on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and there are some Jewish folks that come up to him, and and they're a little exasperated. They go, um, uh, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? 
Now, we might think, well, just give them a yes or no answer and they'll move on. But the problem was that there was so much that was uh, involved in the title Christ, the Messiah. There had been centuries of expectation and people had developed their own mental models around that. And Jesus wasn't going to take the bait. So let's instead take a look at the answer that he provided them. This again is John chapter 10, verses 25 through 30. Hear the word of God. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. Let's pause here for just a second. Jesus is pointing out that, listen, everything I've said up to this point, everything I've done up to this point has revealed who I am, and yet you don't understand. Um, uh, The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. May God bless the reading of his word. May God bless our conversation. When we take a look at that, those opening verses, And we find in verse 26, Jesus saying, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. You know, it brings up that question of uh, of, uh, the chicken or the egg. You know, which comes first? Uh, Which comes first, believing or belonging? And Jesus makes a statement here. He he says that uh, you don't believe because you're not belonging. You're not one of my sheep. One of the commentators on this passage brings out that statement uh, about faith. That faith, uh, this belonging, this, th- this uh, connection with Jesus Christ, faith remains a miracle of God's gift and of the power of the Holy Spirit. The belonging, the, the being one of Jesus' sheep, having faith in Jesus it is fully dependent upon God moving and, and making faith even possible. And yet, we also know that in the same chapter of John, further down in the text, in what we refer to as verses 37 and 38, Jesus has these words. He says, If I am not doing, this is Jesus speaking, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe in me. But if I, if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So we can see here that Jesus pointed out, listen, you've got a choice. You can choose to believe in me or not to believe in me. And yet, believing is also associated with belonging. We belong. So we believe. We're, we're dependent upon God doing something in us. And, and then there's also the choice. We belong, so we believe. To belong, then, is not merely to associate. Belonging is not just attending a church. Belonging is not just something we do. There's that place in 1 Corinthians, and we uh, went through the text uh, um, some time ago, but... Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
Paul's talking about um, sexual immorality and, and how that, that needs to not be a part of our lives. And, and he says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. That sense of belonging, of being owned by the shepherd, of belonging to the shepherd. So we could say this, that believing and belonging are intimately tied to a relationship with God through Christ in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit. Believing and belonging are intimately tied to a relationship with God through Christ in the power of the Spirit. What Jesus does in his answer then is he goes on to describe what it means to be one of his sheep, to be one of the shepherd's sheep. What we're going to do is let's, uh, let's take his responses, we'll divide them into three different groupings. They, they s- seem to spill out that way. So what we first find is that, to, uh, that, that, that the shepherd's sheep enjoy intimacy and dependence. Intimacy and dependence with the shepherd. Jesus says to them, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. The, uh, the commentators will point out that, that the, um, uh, the tense of the verb, it, it, it's in the present tense, which communicates this idea that it's ongoing. So Jesus is saying, my sheep continue to hear my voice. They, they get me. They understand me. They're listening. And so the people who are in the flock of Christ, those who are belonging, they hear Jesus speak through Scripture. They, they hear Jesus' teaching as, as it's spoken aloud by people around them. They, they hear the words of Christ as the Spirit brings them to mind in prayer or reflection. Jesus said, my sheep, part of this intimacy, part of this dependence is that, they, that they're listening, ongoing listening. Then he says, um, I am knowing my sheep. I know my sheep. Again, it's in the present tense, which means it's this ongoing idea that I am knowing them. Bruner, in his, commentate, in his commentary, he flips that a little bit, and he goes, listen, to be known by Jesus, to have this ongoing knowing is to experience Jesus. My sheep are experiencing me. Intimacy, dependence. My sheep follow me. My sheep follow me. They hear my voice. I am knowing them, and then they will follow me. You know, uh, very few of us, if any, are actually sheep herders. So we may not have a lot of experience with sheep, but sheep, we're told, uh, they uh, tend to follow other sheep, uh, but they also follow friends of sheep. So if the shepherd is one who feeds the sheep, the sheep are more likely to follow the shepherd. Maybe from our context, we're more used to uh, pets. Um, let's take dogs as an example. And let's not take the dogs that uh, I've had in my house. I'm not much of a dog trainer, so uh, my dogs don't always listen to my voice. But, but p- picture a, a golden retriever. And a, a, a golden retriever is uh, knows. Uh, his or her master. A, a golden retriever is not going to say, you know what, uh, I, I'm going to be with uh, this house on the weekends, but during the week I'm going to go down and hang out with uh, the Johnson family um, 
because I prefer how they treat me down there during the week. No, no, the, the, the dog knows. The, the dog knows the master. The, the dog is belonging to that house. Jesus goes, my sheep, my sheep, they continually listen to my voice. They hear my voice ongoing. I, I'm knowing them. They will follow me. What we find next then, we'll put under the title that um, uh, the sheep of Jesus uh, experience and enjoy provision and protection. Provision and protection. Here's what Jesus says. He goes, I give them eternal life. Eternal life, we've talked about that before, that uh, eternal life is not just something that happens after death. Eternal life is is something that we, uh, as part of the flock of Christ, part of his pen that, that we begin to experience even now. It's the kingdom of heaven. The things that are true about heaven already being made available to us in the present. Jesus goes, I give my sheep eternal life, peace, and access to God, experiencing God, the presence of God in their life. He says, they will never perish, and that no one can snatch them from his hand. Such provision and protection. And the third part we'll say is that the the shepherd sheep enjoy an eternally secure identity. Eternally secure identity. Jesus said, my father who gives me my sheep, my father who gives them to me, to know that our identity as the sheep of Christ, the shepherd sheep, is established by the almighty God himself. God the father giving the sheep to Jesus. Jesus calls out that the Father is greater than all, that there's nothing equal to God the Father, and that no one can snatch them uh, out of his hand. And then he makes that statement, the Father and I are one. This is the identity of the sheep. We are the we're the sheep of the shepherd who is has a unity with God the Father. This is belonging. You know, in the Old Testament, there's that very well-known psalm, Psalm 23. Jesus be, or, uh, David begins with the words, um, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that God is the shepherd. And God provides for the needs, all the needs of his sheep. So we go back to the catechism. And we ask that question again as it asks, what is your only comfort in life and death? And we'll put the whole of the response on the screen. And and as you read through it, as we read through it together, listen for the very things we've been talking about, the very things that Jesus described about his sheep in this fuller response to that question. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I belong body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. He protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life 
and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Did you see it? Did you hear it? The connection that Jesus provides, the description that Jesus provides for his sheep and, and how it, it appears in this answer. So let me ask us, let me ask you, what is your only comfort? What is your only comfort in life and in death? What is the source of strength? What is the defining strength that you carry with you into every experience all week long? We happen to live in a world in which capitals are built and breached, in which politicians succeed and fail, in which stock markets go up and down, in which jobs come and go, a world in which friends encourage and disappoint, a world in which marriages experience intimacy and discord. We live in a world where children thrive and struggle. In a world that at times can be unsettling, disturbing, and distressing. And at other times, it can be uh, thrilling and enjoyable and satisfying. What is your only comfort? What we want to do this year is help us grow in our response. And so even if at this stage you're not sure about your answer, it's a great time to begin to take that next step of reflection. And if, we have pe if we're people that already say, well, I belong to Jesus, let's see where Christ will take us this year in our grasp and in, 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 in living by and defining life by what he provides. What is your only comfort in life and death that I belong body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, may God bless you, and may God keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he pour upon you the riches of his grace, that in a world that at times can be incredibly crazy, that you would know and be defined by his love. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you.